good morning, uh, ladies and gentlemen, those who are in the Western world, the Western side of the Atlantic, and uh, good afternoon uh, to uh, those in Saudi Arabia and its uh, uh, regions and those in between, and to those who are uh, experiencing Ramadan and its blessings, Ramadan Kareem. Uh, I hope you have a blessed uh, holy season. Uh, we're focusing today on an issue of great uh, moral challenge. And it's also <clears throat> one of logistical operational dynamics and challenges. And this has to do with uh, an examination of the humanitarian challenges of what Saudi Arabia is trying to achieve in Yemen. And it is seeking to accomplish its goals through the King Salman Humanitarian and Relief Center. Its supervisor general is a guest today who will be presenting for the third time on these and related issues. Uh, His Excellency is not just a, a supervisory general of a humanitarian and relief operation of massive dimensions, uh, spending more than uh, $5 billion uh, around the world, and not just in Yemen, not just in Saudi Arabia, but in 59 different countries. Uh, he's also an experienced medical professional and a former minister of health and a doctor who is the world's leading specialist in separating conjoined twins. Now, in some other language, it's referred to as Siamese twins, or uh, twins who are joined at uh, one or another parts of their body uh, to another uh, part of their body, uh, making the life of yet another human being that's linked to them 24 hours a day, eight days a week, uh, 25 hours a day, eight days a week, 400 days a year. And Dr. El Rabia is the world's leading specialist in separating uh, these kinds of twins, uh, 48 of them uh, to be specific, uh, with uh, three more in the pipeline yet to come. Uh, imagine yourself being born uh, unable to be your own true self because there's another uh, whose needs and concerns and interests you have to take into consideration every second of your life. Uh, Dr. Al Rabia has made it possible for 48 people to become uh, 98, 96 people. Uh, this is uh, hard to imagine in science and technology and the marvels of modern inventions have allowed uh, human and medical scientific progress on these fronts. So we have the world's leading specialists in that regard. In addition to his work uh, supervising the challenging uh, humanitarian work in Yemen. Uh, Yemen is one of the least well-known and even less well-understood countries on the planet. And it's also one of the most impoverished. And at the present time, and for several years now, one of the most insecure and unstable uh, because of a raging civil war uh, in that country. Now, this is the first time in recorded human history uh, where a war has been uh, transpiring uh, and at the same time, a major humanitarian re relief effort has been uh, occurring alongside uh, the fighting. 
And the challenges are almost more difficult than one can imagine. And yet the challenges are what Dr. El Rabia has been up to meeting and rising uh, to accommodate. Um, we have as our moderator for this session, uh, Colonel retired Abbas Dahouk, who was formerly America's defense and armed forces attache in the US embassy in Riyadh was also advisor to the political military units of the US Department of State, knowing that military actions alone are insufficient uh, if they are not accompanied by political actions to achieve political settlements of people that are at war with one another. So he and Dr. El Rabia go hand in hand with regard to their life's experiences and their professional achievements. Um, without further ado, Dr. Uh, El Rabia, I want uh, Colonel uh, Dahouk, uh, who's now a member of our Board of Directors, a distinguished member of our Board of Directors, to moderate this session. We look forward to your presentation and then time permitting uh, to have some questions and comments following uh, your address. Uh, Colonel Dahouk. Uh, Dr. Anthony, uh, thank you for, uh, for the intro and um, uh, thank you for your kind remarks uh, and uh, welcome to our, our viewers uh, in the United States uh, and abroad and Ramadan Kareem for uh, all uh, observing uh, this holy month of, uh, of Ramadan. And uh, welcome, uh, 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 Dr. Rabia, good to see you. And uh, our uh, conversation today, as Dr. Anthony mentioned, uh, to talk about the humanitarian aid uh, challenges uh, in Yemen. And we don't have to tell Dr. Abdullah that Yemen is a, a complex uh, web of uh, issues and challenges. Uh, uh, I was in Riyadh when uh, inauguration of the center under the Obama administration. At that time, they were looking at Yemen from the JCPOA lens and also from the UN lens. Um, and, uh, uh, and they supported the coalition operation by supporting this UN resolution 2216. Uh, on the follow up, the, the next administration, Trump administration, that looked at Yemen from the Iran uh, maximum pressure on Iran lens. And then we have the, currently the Biden administration uh, looking at Yemen from the Saudi lens, uh, but they made, pri they made Yemen priority. They appointed uh, a very competent uh, U.S. diplomat, Mr. Tim Dinderking, which we know very well. And I think he's the, perhaps the only foreign diplomat that's been working with Yemen consistently since 2013. Uh, however, uh, Your Excellency, you and the center, um, uh, from day one, you looked at Yemen from the prism of the Yemeni people, uh, and your mission was directly from uh, to, to Yemen uh, under uh, under the Yemen government and also under the Houthi, uh, 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 um, you know, occupation of Houthi Houthi uh, uh, forces. Uh, so with this, um, uh, I will pass the floor to you to just give us a snapshot. Uh, on what the center have done since uh, 2015, not only in Yemen, but also uh, regionally and internationally. Dr. Abdullah. Well, uh, thank you. Thank you, uh, uh, Dr. John Anthony, for your kind remarks. And uh, thank you, Colonel Abbas Dahouk, for your kind remarks. And uh, also for our viewers, uh, uh, good morning uh, in the West and good, uh, uh, good afternoon or evening. Uh, in the East and uh, a good day for those in between. Uh, I would like to welcome you all and I'll also <coughs> I would like to uh, take your permission to uh, uh, present to you uh, a factual uh, 
uh, journey that started back in 2015 till today on our work in Yemen and beyond Yemen. So I will have a PowerPoint presentation that will probably uh, show what we have been doing uh, and helping those who are uh, in need. If we look at the, uh, the slides, if they move, uh, uh, Saudi Arabia, as probably all of you know, has been very active when it comes to humanitarian aid uh, for at least the last uh, two decades or, or more. It has spent more than 93 billion uh, US dollars helping more than 150 six uh, countries. The center was actually inaugurated uh, in uh, May 13, 2015, with uh, a vision uh, uh, that it will become a leading humanitarian center uh, that will also transfer uh, the noble values of humanity to the world and also to coordinate our activities with the international benchmarks and also to ensure that our national interests are in line with the humanitarian principles. The center also uh, is, is very careful when it comes to governance in terms of financial audit, uh, external audit, uh, ex monitoring process, project management, and also uh, results and performance evaluation, and also implementing the humanitarian charter uh, as globally has been understood. The center has many uh, branches uh, in, in the regions that we work in and in the continents that we work in. Uh, and we have, as you have seen in Yemen, at least three branches and maybe you are adding more. And also in Asia, Africa uh, and uh, uh, other parts of the world. The center uh, works in the uh, sectors and clusters of humanity, the 12 clusters that are known to all of you, and I don't want to waste your time, but we actually care about all sectors of humanity to ensure that we alleviate the suffering of mankind. Our core values are important. We are uh, uh, impartial, we are transparent, and we care about uh, quality and also being professional. We believe in having initiatives and creativity. And also we believe that we cannot work without strong partnership and also uh, involving the uh, communities that we work in. At present, we have worked in 59 countries. And if we look at the, uh, reflect that into uh, financial values, more than 5 billion US dollars has been implemented in 59 countries with uh, 1,556 projects. Yemen, as you can see, takes uh, the highest of those and receives probably 70% of our aid, followed by Palestine, Syria, and Somalia. We believe in, in, in supporting women. So we are a woman-focused organization. Uh, more than 279 projects were directed to women reaching more than 72 million beneficiaries uh, globally. Also children are very valuable for us and probably I am biased, I'm a pediatric surgeon and people claim that I pay attention to children and women. And I think these are the most important supporters for the communities. And if we care about the children, we care about the future. We have implemented more than 
294 projects globally, reaching more than 118 million children globally. We believe in initiatives and creativities. That's why the center has uh, believed in transparency, and that's why His Majesty directed us to uh, uh, initiate the Saudi aid platform. And also we believe in volunteers, and we have a very big cadre of volunteers who help us in implementing our work. We also uh, believe that we should support refugees and IDPs globally. And we always believe in involving the society and donors from the society as part of the donors. Our donations come from the government and also uh, comes from donors within the society. There is no humanitarian work without control and monitoring to ensure that you maximize the impact of your work. And also you have to document your activities. This is the Saudi uh, aid platform, uh, especially for uh, a friendly council. Uh, I think this is an easily approached online database, uh, which actually reports all of our work uh, in, in accordance with the uh, international benchmark, uh, benchmark uh, as stipulated by OECD-DAC and the FTS of the UN. Also volunteers, we started two years ago to recruit volunteers from uh, Saudi Arabia. These are young boys and girls of Saudi Arabia who carry the humanitarian principles of Saudi Arabia globally. Uh, to date, we have actually implemented more than 118 campaigns, uh, reaching 19 countries with our uh, boys and girls who are volunteering with us uh, and reaching more than quarter of a million beneficiaries. This is one of the uh, uh, programs directed to uh, eye uh, disease and blindness. Also, we, we believe in children campaigns, especially difficult surgeries like open heart surgeries that we do in many countries in need. This is from Yemen, and we have implemented several of those projects in, in Yemen. Also, we believe in pediatric surgery and also bone surgery and others that we perform in different parts of the world. Also refugees, contrary, contrary to the uh, uh, belief of many people, Saudi Arabia hosts refugees, I'll come to that later, but also uh, KS Relief cares about refugees in Syria, in Afghanistan, in Sudan, in Myanmar, and other parts of the world. Unfortunately, the numbers of refugees and ITPs uh, are escalating, and this is will actually ask us to maximize the impact of our work towards them. Saudi Arabia hosts over a million of refugees. We do not call them refugees, we call them visitors. And uh, uh, as you can see, Yemen takes the highest. We have uh, uh, over half a million of, of your refugees from Yemen, and over a quarter of a million from uh, Syria and just under a quarter of a million from the Rohingya minority. Also, we believe that we should involve the uh, society to help us in, 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 in our humanitarian work. And that's why we have launched an online donation portal, which is very active in this month of Ramadan. And we are receiving a lot of donors to help uh, in global communities. Even during the uh, uh, pandemic of COVID-19, uh, Saudi Arabia has been active. And as you can see, we have 
probably spent more than 713 uh, uh, million US dollars during this pandemic to help countries. And as you can see, uh, Yemen comes always in the front uh, line. But we have also supported uh, interna international agencies such as Gavi and SEBI and uh, WHO with uh, 500 million during last year of Saudi Arabia presidency of G20. Now, another project that is very unique for Yemen, as you know, Yemen has uh, been suffering from many uh, pro uh, problems related to the conflict, related to humanitarian crisis, but also another significant uh, uh, challenge for Yemen is actually uh, the landmines. Uh, unfortunately, the Houthi militias have uh, planted more than uh, almost close to 2 million landmines uh, as of, of, uh, of, of today. And uh, we have decided and KS Relief to launch a demining program, which uh, is aiming to have a Yemen without landmines. To date, we have actually managed to deactivate uh, close to quarter of a million of those landmines. We hope in this very uh, near uh, fu future, we will have a Yemen without landmines. These landmines pose significant challenges for families, for women, for children, uh, and they will have long-lasting handicap. One of the problems that also we are proud of uh, in Yemen is the child soldier rehabilitation program. Uh, as you probably know, uh, over 25,000 children have been recruited uh, uh, as a child soldiers. And uh, the ways of recruiting them are, differs from uh, supporting their families, but goes to uh, supporting them with GAT, which is a narcotic, which you can see in the picture on the uh, right side of the screen. We have started a program to uh, rehabilitate those children with both psychological, social, uh, educational and family counseling programs to have those children build the future of Yemen and also uh, prevent them from being uh, a source of danger for the international community as they could be a potential uh, terrorist if we do not counsel them early and prevent this uh, uh, bad actually violation to happen. Uh, another program that we also believe in is, is nutrition of children. Yemen suffers significantly, of, uh, especially children in Yemen suffer from malnutrition. I'm sure you have seen many reports from the UN and from uh, many uh, uh, international NGOs. And that's why we have concentrated on uh, preventing malnutrition in children. And we have so many programs that uh, is aiming to support the children of Yemen. Education is another problem in Yemen. Uh, as you know, the conflict has been going now almost for six years, and we didn't want to see the children of Yemen lack education, and that's why we have invested a lot uh, in educational projects in Yemen so that their children will be an asset and resource for them in the resource for them in the uh, future. Also, we believe in women, and that's why we wanted to support the communities by supporting women with uh, uh, some jobs, whether it is tailoring and whether it is related to uh, welding or agriculture uh, or any other 
talents that we can help with. And we have managed to actually focus on many of those projects that have managed to move those children from being dependent on aid to self-sustaining uh, society. Also, we believe in, 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 in the reproductive life in Yemen, and that's why we care about the health of women. If we have a healthy woman, we have a healthy child, and the center has concentrated on those programs either directly or with the help of our valuable partners, UNICEF and, and WHO. We also believe in vocational and training programs to empower women. And that's why we have many NGOs that support us in Yemen, which will actually empower women so that they will be able to help their society. Uh, as a result of the landmines, we have seen many actually uh, amputees in, Ye in Yemen. And that's why we have launched uh, four uh, amputee clinics in Yemen. Our aim is not only to treat amputees, but also to transfer the technology to the Yemeni cadre so that the Yemeni will be able to handle those problems in the uh, future. One of the projects that is, I'm proud of, uh, although it is, uh, uh, happened a few years ago, but when Taiz was under complete siege by the Houthi militias, four hospitals were under uh, the risk of complete uh, a block, uh, uh, actually uh, blockage from having no oxygen, no medication. So we decided to have an uh, uh, innovative ways to airdrop uh, the medical supplies for those hospitals and also to use primitive ways of uh, uh, animal pack uh, by packing uh, the animals with the oxygen cylinders in order to maintain those hospitals alive uh, and thereby to, to save lives of people who were about to die. In Yemen, KS Relief to date has uh, implemented 590 projects worth of 3 billion uh, and a half uh, of your, uh, 500 million US dollars. And in Yemen, as stated by actually uh, uh, Colonel Abbas, uh, our work has been to help all Yemenis. We cared about Yemen from border to border, uh, north and south. We did not differentiate be between any uh, governance of Yemen. We believe that all Yemenis deserve attention, and that's why our work in Yemen has been impartial, has been abiding with the international humanitarian law, and uh, we have very valuable partners in Yemen, 80 partners. Uh, the UN comes on the top of them. However, we have very important partners uh, internationally from the US and Europe and other parts of the world. These are the clusters that we work in Yemen. Uh, and I'm sure all of us will know food security and health and helping actually uh, the IDPs and, and refugees comes on the top of the line but also water and sanitation are equally important. Also, when cholera was a, 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 an epidemic in Yemen, we actually cared a lot about it. And with the help of WHO and the UNICEF and many other important partners, we managed to uh, get rid of or control the uh, epidemic of cholera and save lives in Yemen. 
Uh, in Yemen, we care about women, and that's why uh, equally in Yemen, we are a, a, a woman-focused organization. We have uh, almost 220 projects in Yemen were directed for the well-being and protection uh, of the uh, woman in, in Yemen. And the same applies for children. 236 projects were directed for uh, saving and, and, and feeding and also the health and protection of children of Yemen. Now, let me take you in, 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 in some of the challenges that we face in Yemen. Uh, we have actually been with the help of the UN and, and international community looking at these challenges. Uh, uh, we have, as you have seen here, uh, the, the UN international and KS uh, relief uh, convoys have been targeted uh, with more than 25 incidents, more than 39 detentions, more than 25 hindering and stealing and also uh, uh, selling the humanitarian goods has been uh, documented in 31 documents. Most of these have happened in the north by the uh, Houthi militias. Another violation that we have seen is using uh, the anti-craft uh, and anti-gun uh, on, on civilian buildings, basically on houses and also apartment uh, building, which violates any principles of humanity. Uh, as we have mentioned, the violations of landmines, which did not follow any principles of maps or, or guidelines. And these are irrational landmines that has claimed the uh, legs and hands and lives of many innocent people. This picture, I keep repeating this picture uh, because it irritates me a lot. Having a child carry a, a weapon is, is a major crime, but when he, is, when he dies, you call him a murderer. This is against uh, any principles of humanity and to put th their picture uh, as a murderer in the streets to recruit more children, this is a crime against children and against humanity. Uh, targeting also schools uh, and, and hospitals is another violation that we have documented uh, in Yemen by uh, the Houthi militias, which violates the humanitarian principles. Saudi Arabia, I'm sure all of you have been watching uh, 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 as late as yesterday, Saudi Arabia still receives uh, uh, SCAD missiles, receives also uh, uh, drones, and in numbers, uh, Saudi Arabia to date uh, have been attacked by more than 553 uh, drone attacks and also more than uh, 346 SCAD missiles, and it has claimed life and it has displaced people and it has damaged schools and mosques and, and, and hospitals in, in Saudi Arabia. Uh, and this is another also escalation of the conflict in Yemen. I will probably take you to something which is close to my heart. And uh, uh, Dr. John uh, Anthony has mentioned uh, kindly the uh, humanitarian uh, work of, of uh, uh, when it comes to medicine and uh, uh, for the last 30 years, I have been in, in touch with children as a doctor, as a father, uh, and also as, as, as a human being. 
and one of the uh, uh, phenomenons that has actually uh, came close to, to, to me is the conjoined twins, because it is a major actually medical entity which requires uh, a significant uh, uh, technology to help uh, release the, the suffering of both parents and children. Uh, to date, we have seen 116 conjoined twins uh, in Saudi Arabia uh, from more than 21 countries. And we have managed actually to separate uh, 48 uh, uh, conjoined twins, producing 96 actually uh, uh, safe children to life and actually uh, decreasing their sufferings of being together and also bringing a smile to them and to their family. I'll just show you examples of them. Uh, this is, the, I, I have seen those twins in 2005 from Poland, and uh, I have seen them actually two years ago. They are almost as tall as me. And when I visited Poland to attend the humanitarian forum, and uh, they still remember uh, how uh, they were actually miserable when they were joined and how they became free and now. Also, uh, one of the earliest twins that I have separated back in 1992 from Sudan, and uh, those twins have graduated from the university in Saudi Arabia and still carry positive memories of being free and being able to work and have independent life. Another twins from the Philippines who have actually grown and became also uh, almost uh, adults, and uh, they have enjoyed a very uh, safe and normal life. And also another twins from uh, the Cameroon, from a poor family, and we managed to separate them, and now they are becoming in their uh, teens. We, we actually will move you to something which is global. KS Relief is also a key member and, and partner with actually the Life and Livelihood uh, Fund together with Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, with the Islamic Bank, with Abu Dhabi Foundation, and also with the uh, Qatar Foundation. This is actually meant to help uh, many countries uh, uh, in the OIC uh, group. And to date, it's directing its aid to 33 countries to help communities uh, uh, to stand on themselves and actually take them away from being dependent on uh, direct relief and aid. Before I close, I just want to say a word of appreciation of our important partners, uh, UN and, and global partners, but one of our very important uh, partners is USAID, whom we have worked together from day one, and they have actually done a lot to help us build our capacity and to date, we are actually proud that we are a co-funders of many projects that are, one of them has been actually signed and many are coming in the pipeline. I want to close by uh, a short summary that the skin of Saudi Arabia still plays a leading role in the international humanitarian work. I believe that there is an importance uh, uh, of the kingdom humanitarian work in supporting uh, its uh, international stance. And we believe that the role of humanitarian work is important in resolving the conflict, achieving stability, and also sustainable development.
there is no work without partnership and that's that the partnership between Saudi Arabia represented by KS Leaf and the United States by USAID is an ideal model for increasing the impact of humanitarian work on the ground. My time is uh, over. Thank you for yours. Well, <clears throat> thank you, uh, Dr. Al-Rabia. Uh, once again, uh, you provided information that is uh, difficult, uh, unnecessarily difficult uh, for Americans and many others beyond the kingdom uh, to obtain and to assimilate, absorb, accommodate, and appreciate. Uh, we're uh, trebly uh, uh, grateful to you because this is your third time uh, sharing uh, your expertise, your information, your experience with people who are eager to know that which uh, they are unaware and unappreciative of uh, that the kingdom is doing in its humanitarian relief efforts, not just locally, domestically, and not just neighborly with regard to Yemen and other Arab countries, such as the Sudan, which you point out, Myanmar and Turkey and Pakistan, Palestine and, and elsewhere. Uh, if you have time, Your Excellency, for some questions and comments, uh, if you would permit that, I would like to ask uh, Colonel Dahouk if he would mm -hmm. moderate this part of the session. Colonel Dahouk. Uh, thank you, uh, Dr. Anthony, and uh, thank you, uh, Dr. Abdullah, for, again, very uh, informative. Uh, it indeed is a daunting task, and like I mentioned earlier, uh, Yemen is a web of complex issues, and just the humanitarian aid is a complex issue by itself. Um, uh, let me start. One thing we didn't uh, mention is uh, uh, a challenge, I'm sure. It's the, uh, the, the epidemic, the COVID-19 epidemic. It's a challenge for, uh, for uh, countries everywhere, even in the United States, let alone uh, in this complex uh, in Yemen. And um, I would like to uh, also mention that um, uh, um, uh, you have also international reach and probably uh, also reaching out to help in, uh, on the same thing, other countries. Uh, we, we had uh, this week also a guest of uh, uh, His Excellency Walid Jablat from Lebanon, and he also described the dire need also for the COVID-19 in Lebanon, and he said, the, um, uh, the vaccination was only 1.4% of the population thus far, and, and at this rate, it's going to take him years to finish. Uh, so uh, uh, give, tell us a little, uh, uh, if there's a, uh, uh, tell us this, what's going on in Yemen and what are the challenges you're facing, and is there a, uh, uh, programs to reach out outside uh, 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 Yemen on that issue? Well, uh, uh, thank you, uh, uh, Colonel Abbas, and also appreciate the kind words of uh, Dr. John Anthony, uh, actually, as you mentioned, COVID-19 has been a huge challenge for the international community. It hasn't been an easy uh, year in 2020, and I think it's also 2021 has been equally difficult. Uh, from the beginning of the conflict, uh, when we talk about Yemen, I have been approached by the prime minister of Yemen, who called me and he said, listen, Abdullah, we do not have uh, uh, capabilities in Yemen and we need your help. Uh, they don't have, unfortunately, they didn't have any diagnostic uh, uh, machines. They don't have any uh, uh, PPEs and others. So we immediately responded uh, to support and build the capacity of the Ministry of Health of Yemen. We have uh, within uh, a few weeks managed to support them with uh, 
uh, uh, many diagnostic uh, machines, uh, also uh, kits for the diagnosis. We also support them with uh, uh, PPEs and also thermal cameras and others. And uh, till today, we are still supporting the Ministry of Health of Yemen. We are not the only country, but we are one of the main countries supporting them. In addition to that, we supported Yemen through WHO and, and through UNICEF uh, so that the capacity will be maximal. And uh, as you have seen in my presentation, uh, we are also starting uh, to uh, build up uh, their capacity when it comes to the vaccination process. Mm. Uh, Saudi Arabia has uh, uh, already, through KSRF, communicated with the government of Yemen and through Gavi. It happened uh, uh, that just uh, one hour before this uh, uh, me valuable meeting, I was in, in the Gavi uh, ministerial meeting and uh, we are actually seeing what we else can do through Gavi and also bilateral health. So in Yemen, to answer your question, uh, Colonel Abbas, we are supporting them from the beginning till today. We are also building the capacity of the Ministry of Health in Yemen too, in terms of recording, auditing, and other things. But also we are supporting them with the uh, vaccination through Gavi and COVAX facility, but also on a bilateral basis. When it comes beyond Yemen, we are also working. Uh, by the way, during the conflicts, uh, the conflict we have helped more than uh, 20 countries uh, in the readiness of, of uh, COVID-19 and uh, Lebanon uh, is one of those countries and we're still actually being in touch. You, uh, Lebanon has a very actually active, uh, pleasant uh, ambassador in Saudi Arabia who is uh, in direct communication with me uh, on weekly basis. So we have been working with Lebanon and other countries in the region to support them. We have uh, uh, invested 200 million to support countries uh, in, in during 2020. And uh, uh, I have been approached by the Embassy of Lebanon when it comes to vaccination. And uh, this has been now discussed uh, uh, and I'm sure Lebanon will be one of the countries that will receive our attention. So does many other countries that uh, we are now reviewing uh, so that we can help them with the uh, acquisition of uh, vaccination. Over. Uh, thank you, Dr. Abdallah, that's, uh, for, for your answer. Uh, the other uh, crisis that we also hear in the media, it's uh, the possibility of famine in Yemen. And I'm sure there's a lot of uh, work you do in there with, uh, with uh, other organizations, also donors. Could you uh, tell us a bit about that? What is the, uh, the extensive of the possibility of a famine crisis in Yemen? Well, thank you. Uh, as we all know, uh, like uh, Dr. John Anthony and yourself, I am also a person who has been in touch with Yemen and have visited Yemen many times. So I know Yemen by, before the conflict. Uh, as a doctor, I, I, I used to go to uh, train some of the doctors in Yemen uh, before the conflict. So Yemen has a bad start, as we all know. Yemen has uh, difficulty and challenges before the conflict when it comes to uh, nutrition and malnutrition and food security. When the conflict uh, started and because of the crisis, uh, the uh, uh, problem has escalated uh, and becoming, it has become a challenge. 
in 2018, where there was uh, a risk of famine. And uh, as you uh, remember, Saudi Arabia, UAE, and US and UK have uh, uh, responded positively, and we managed to prevent famine from happening. Uh, and we thank uh, the UN and, and, and uh, the international NGOs for using the funds appropriately to prevent famine. Now, in 2020, because of COVID-19, but more so because of many violations that has happened in Yemen, and uh, unfortunately, and this is happening in the north by the Houthi militias, the, and this has been actually alluded to by many UN organizations, there has been uh, stealing uh, and, and, and uh, using uh, the uh, food for other purposes. The, unfortunately, the militias will, will, will uh, bypass the aid to, to different purposes and has been used by uh, them to support their military capacity. And uh, in addition, there has been some dues on the humanitarian work, uh, and there has been also threatening to the humanitarian workers uh, and they, uh, many of, of, of the regions have taken advantages of COVID-19. Uh, but however, we have uh, sat together early on this year, and uh, there has been a pledging conference that has happened. And Saudi Arabia, uh, as you all know, has uh, been uh, the top donors and uh, uh, responder for Yemen for the last uh, five or six years. And this year has pledged 443 million US dollars. In addition to that, KS Relief will continue its food security program, nutritional program, which will add another also support to Yemen in addition to our pledge to uh, the UN. Uh, and we also thank the US. They have been generous in their donation. We thank the UK, UAE, and many other donors. And also we invite other donors to, to come and respond. I am optimistic. I'm a doctor. I have to be optimistic. Mm -hmm. I'm optimistic with the dedication of the donors and with the hard work of the UN and the uh, humanitarian uh, agencies, uh, I'm confident that, that we will be able to prevent famine from happening in Yemen. Uh, th thank you. Thank you, Dr. Abdullah. You, and, uh, you mentioned a bit in your uh, presentation about refugees and you uh, said something about, Syrian, uh, about uh, uh, Yemen refugees in Saudi Arabia. Uh, 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 I always, it's um, uh, one thing uh, uh, from the Saudi perspective, you know, Yemen, uh, they're the uh, backbone of the labor force, and I don't think uh, uh, you have refugees in there, but how is, um, how, how is, how is that? Is the, how is the, the situation of the Yemenis that have a lot of families in, in Yemen uh, under the government, also majority perhaps, they have their families under the, uh, under the Houthi uh, uh, control. So well, how's the Yemenis status in Saudi, uh, in Saudi Arabia? Dr. Abdullah, I think you have your, your mute. No, do you hear me now? Yes. Yes. Uh, in Saudi Arabia, uh, let me clarify to the viewers. In Saudi Arabia, we have uh, uh, workforce from Yemen, but we have also visitors or, or, or refugees from Yemen. 
so we have actually over 3 million from Yemen. Two and a half are legal, actually, workers who have uh, families, who have jobs in Saudi Arabia. And they benefit the economy of Yemen because they transfer their salaries to, to their families uh, in Yemen. But in addition to that, uh, after the beginning of the conflict, there has been crossing of the borders uh, by Yemenis who have been uh, uh, under the danger of the conflict. Those actually have come to Saudi Arabia. Uh, they have been given status of visitors. They actually uh, been uh, uh, affiliated in, in, in with families, uh, whether they are Yemeni families or Saudi families in different parts of the kingdom. And all the national charity organizations uh, uh, support them. Uh, His Majesty the King has passed uh, a, a law that their children, the children of the visitors or, or, uh, or refugees can access uh, free public schools and they can also access free public health uh, program for them and their children. And they can enter the workforce of Saudi Arabia if they wish to do so. We do not put them in camps. We actually integrate them in the society uh, like uh, all uh, civilized countries do uh, uh, globally. Uh, I hope I addressed your question, uh, Colonel Abbas. Uh, thank you, Dr. Abdullah. Exactly. Uh, uh, I want you to uh, point out that uh, little details that you don't hear much about it in the, in the, in the traditional media. I want you to take you back to the uh, uh, topic of uh, child soldier. I thought you mentioned it uh, in your briefing and you mentioned it before multiple times about, uh, and also you call them, I uh, heard you once say that they're not uh, soldiers, they're, basically, they're child victims. They're victims of war. And those victims, you said, they potentially could be a, a future terrorist. I mean, I, I grew up in, in Lebanon during the Civil War. I was one of these young soldiers with AKM, uh, uh, 47 in my hand. I did money training, and uh, at, the, at the age of 17, as I'm still a, a young, uh, I'm still a child, I found myself in the former Soviet Union doing training back then. But I'm lucky, fortunate enough to come to the United States and be in the army. But you have thousands, you said 25,000 or, or more in Yemen. There's probably 200,000 or more uh, worldwide uh, uh, child soldiers. So what can we do? How can we help uh, from uh, the council, from the United States, help you to make this? This issue is um, a, a part of the peace process, another major issue on the table, not just uh, standard aid and uh, to, uh, writ large, but be a specific uh, to, to tackle this, uh, this phenomena. Well, I, I really thank you, Colonel Abbas. Very, very important uh, question and, and point that is really uh, probably uh, uh, underestimated globally. Children have been used and misused in different purposes, especially in conflict zones. In Yemen, for example, they are victims of war, as you uh, rightly said. And uh, in, for example, uh, South America, they, they are victims of uh, drug uh, trafficking. And also in, in, in Lebanon, as you mentioned, during the, the civil war, they have been used. So many, many actually uh, abuse and misuse of children. And unfortunately, we are not doing enough for them. When we look at, for example, uh, child soldier rehabilitation programs, how many of them? drug trafficking children rehabilitation programs, how many of them? And how much the media has done about them? We find little actually about them. I remember when uh, 
the secretary general visited uh, me in, in the center, uh, Antonio Guterres. He said, Abdullah, I want to see one program, which is the child soldier rehabilitation program. This program is actually has not been given enough support, enough media, and enough coverage for it. And he said this program should be global. I, I thank uh, uh, the Secretary General. He took it seriously, and they have established uh, uh, a unit uh, uh, under his office, which has taken the child soldier program beyond child soldier. They have taken uh, child soldiers or victims of war, victims of drug trafficking, and, and you name it. What you could do with us, I think, uh, uh, I think paying, uh, uh, raising attention, raising awareness through your very efficient, valuable council is an important issue. Encouraging countries to, to do programs to counsel those children. Those are threats, not for Yemen, not for Mexico or other countries in South America. They are a threat for us in, in, in the global community. Those children, if we do not counsel them, tomorrow they will be carrying weapons and threatening the international community. So we have to work hard, put hand in hand, and, and try to do something about it. Another also appeal is for the academic institutions, universities, colleges. They haven't done much research about it. And let me call through actually this very important meeting today that we encourage also research institutions, universities to study those children and see the psychological and social impact on them for the future. This is actually a mandate on us to do it. And I thank you, Colonel Abbas, for raising it. No, thank you. I, uh, I agree with you 100%. And uh, we're here uh, uh, happy to assist any way we can. Um, uh, can let I, me... can I add a question myself? Uh, Colonel, uh, uh, Dr. Al Rabia, uh, Dr. Anthony here. Uh, building on your response to uh, Colonel Dahook's uh, question and your pointed answer there, um, there are strange things in the minds of people who have never been to Yemen. Um, I've been blessed to have visited Yemen uh, 25 times uh, since the late 1960s to have met with the former president, Ali Abdullah Saleh, nine times there and visited virtually every uh, sub-region of the country with the exception of two, Sada in the, in the Northwest, of course, and near the border with Jizan and, and Najran, and in the Far East, Al-Ghaida, which borders uh, uh, Oman. Uh, but poverty is a relative thing in the eyes of those who are experiencing it and devastation as well. Uh, few people know that Yemen is a place where Somali refugees uh, seek to migrate to. Indeed, we're not talking about a few, we're talking about tens of thousands of Somalis who are in Yemen as refugees from uh, war-torn, civil, civil society-torn uh, Somalia. Uh, how does KS relief deal with, acknowledge, uh, what's it, what are its concerns with that? And how does KSA Relief go about the safety of its workers? Uh, humanitarian workers are exposed. Uh, they're on the front lines of conflict, as you pointed out. 
landmines, child soldiers, and uh, people who commit violence because they see no other future in front of them. Uh, this aspect, what is the overall coordination, if there is, between and among the many groups that are volunteering, that are participating, that are engaged with KS relief in Yemen? Uh, people tend to be familiar with and comfortable with mainly the areas that they work in, and they're not adequately, effectively knowledgeable of what is going on by those working elsewhere in the country. So there can be competition, there can be duplication, there can be waste. What is the overall supervision of these efforts, yours and others, in Yemen? Well, thank you, uh, Dr. Uh, John Anthony. Uh, I think th th this point is also very uh, important. Uh, Yemen, in addition to its own IDPs, carries also the burden of, of having uh, refugees from Somalia, and, and let me add also refugees from Ethiopia, unfortunately. And uh, they, they carry a burden, and uh, the center actually also cares for those refugees. We have uh, uh, implemented many projects for those refugees, in addition to working with the uh, UNHCR and IOM to help the voluntary return of those refugees to their homeland as much as we can. Uh, but we continue to support those refugees. And when we actually returned uh, a significant number of them uh, on a voluntary basis, we continue to support them in their homeland, which is Somalia and, and Ethiopia. When it comes, Your Excellency, to, to talk about the risk, let me admit the risk is, is huge. In the landmine uh, demining projects, we have lost, uh, uh, unfortunately, God bless them, uh, uh, close to uh, 13 to 15 people who have uh, lost their lives. We have uh, many of our works have received uh, threatening and, and, and some of them have been actually put in jail for, for, for uh, some time by the militias. Uh, however, uh, let me talk about the positive side. We are working in very good coordination with the uh, UN and international community. We take advantage uh, of uh, the uh, legitimate government of Yemen we take advantage of the coalition forces to help protect some of the workers and also uh, guide us on the safe paths. We also take advantage of very credible uh, NGOs in Yemen who work on the Houthi side, who help our workers to reach there uh, safely. With the addition of coordination between UN, between actually involved parties, this will actually maximize the benefit of reaching areas which are usually hard to reach areas. It's not easy to reach some zones of Yemen, but with collaborating with the important players in Yemen, we have managed to succeed to reach almost every government of Yemen, every region of Yemen. And our workers, we have three offices in Yemen, they have connections. They have also valuable uh, links with uh, more than 300 to 400 NGOs in Yemen who actually have been very instrument, uh, instrumental to us and to the UN 
and to the international community to deliver. Without them, it would have been difficult to, to work in Yemen. Uh, thank you. Well, uh, a related question, uh, building on Colonel Dahook's uh, statements of background. He and I share the fact that we both were soldiers at age 17. And at age 17, you're maybe an, an, a, a young adult or late child however you want to perceive it. But like Colonel Dahook, I was trained to kill people uh, with my rifle, with my bayonets, with grenades, with gas, and, and other methods of uh, fighting people in, a, in an armed conflict. Uh, <laughs> subsequently, uh, education was added to that training, to that experience, and provided a broader context of the world in which we live and what produces armed conflict what sustains them, what maintains them, and what can bring about peace and the alleviation of suffering. This, the child aspect of this on the education and training front, you showed fantastic slides and pictures of trying to educate and train uh, the future. And you mentioned that if you have a healthy children, you have good prospects for a healthier future. If you have educated children, you have uh, the good prospects for a greater uh, educated society. Can you elaborate on this? And is the education being provided only in the safe areas, the liberated areas of Yemen, or is it also taking place in the border areas where uh, Yemenis have fled to Saudi Arabia? Well, thank you. Well, uh, you, Dr. John Anthony, and, and uh, Colonel Abbas Dahoub represent the positive side of the army. Honestly, uh, we want to see people like you who have been carrying weapons and now uh, academicians and, and, and holding councils and, and looking for uh, a brighter future for the humanity. This is what is, the army is about. Uh, however, when we talk about countries like Yemen uh, uh, and similar situations where uh, ch children were actually abducted and misused and abused uh, to uh, put them into the conflict, uh, I think this, this is a major trauma on them. And unless you work hard uh, on them educationally, psychologically, and as you rightly mentioned on their nutrition, you probably will lose them, and the country will lose them, and the world will lose them. And that's why uh, we have uh, in, included within this program uh, at least three universities with us working to look at a comprehensive package uh, in order to eradicate the effect uh, and the long-lasting uh, bad memories in those children, in addition to a better health and better education, uh, better health, better food and better education. When we talk about education, we carry it in different areas in, in Yemen. And in, in, of, of course, in, in the regions under the uh, legitimate government, which is the uh, liberated areas, uh, and also in, in dangerous areas in the borders between, like if you talk about now Ma'rib, which is under crisis in terms of conflict, we carry education in, in the uh, IDP's maps, uh, tents, and the camps. We do not actually 
leave those children without education. So if you go to Ma'rib and visit our, the camps of the IDPs, you will find that some of the camps have been converted to schools to educate children uh, in, 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 in uh, uh, isolation of their uh, homes, whether their homes are in Sana'a or Sa'da or Hajja. Also in the borders, we carry educational programs. We believe education has uh, no location. Nowadays, you should carry education uh, wherever the children are. If you leave them, then they will be forgotten. They will lose their education and they will continue uh, uneducated children. Uh, I can't claim that we have educated every child in, in, in Yemen, but we'll try, we'll do our best. We're working also in the dig digital technology. Mm. Dr. Anthony, I think, I think also there is a demand that we should probably use the benefit of technology for education in conflict. We could use, uh, most families in Yemen, they have mobiles, they have actually some kind of a TV, and it will not be difficult to use a remote uh, teachers to educate their children instead of leaving them carry weapons and kill uh, their uh, brothers and sisters. Thank you, thank you. Back to you. Yeah, Colonel thank Brothers. you. Thank you, uh, uh, Dr. Abdullah and uh, Dr. Anthony. Um, uh, let me take you the, uh, back to the uh, little more of uh, the policy side of it, the House. Uh, we, with the Biden administration, uh, like we mentioned, uh, uh, they, make it, they make Yemen a priority. Uh, they assigned uh, Mr. Tim Linderking as the envoy or something uh, the past two administration did not. And uh, they, they look at now the, uh, I believe the administration looking at Yemen at two prom uh, approach, uh, diplomacy and aid. And also they uh, uh, undesignated Houthi, they took him from the, uh, out of the terrorist designation just to, uh, not to impede any aid. Uh, so aid is a, is a, is a big uh, uh, policy vector. Um, so how how is it going so far? What 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 do you think? Uh, what's your message to uh, let's see the, the the envoy or the, the administration? What else they can do? What what uh, uh, we uh, you wanted to do more uh, to actually uh, um, improve on the aid and perhaps uh, you know bring a, a peaceful uh, uh, process uh, uh, at the end. Well, uh, thank you for bringing this uh, item to the agenda today. <clears throat> First of all. Uh, uh, as you mentioned, uh, the Biden administration is uh, uh, putting the uh, uh, putting Yemen crisis uh, on their pri priority, and uh, I have the pleasure to meet uh, uh, Kim Linder King in my office in Riyadh. He's a pleasant person. He's keen. He knows the situation in Yemen. We have discussed many things, and we share many things in common. Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, the bottom line that uh, the Saudi government and the Biden administration is to reach a long-lasting peace process. And based on that, Saudi Arabia, as you probably know, have announced uh, uh, a peace initiative that is meant to bring peace and stability to Yemen and to stop the fighting and try to rehabilitate uh, the country of Yemen with the help of the international community. This initiative has been supported by the US, has been supported by uh, the EU, has been supported almost by all the international community. Unfortunately, 
uh, it hasn't received the support by the Houthis yet. And unfortunately, uh, Iran hasn't supported that. Uh, uh, our feeling that the Houthis will continue to escalate. And as you, if you, if you recall, the initiative when it was announced was faced by 10 drone attacks to Saudi Arabia. This is the earliest response uh, to the initiative. And uh, we know, and I'm sure the US uh, government knows that uh, Iran is, is behind the Houthis. And what we want to uh, ensure that this priority when it comes to uh, uh, stability and peace will supervene and there should be more pressure uh, from the international community, the US, US, Saudi Arabia and others on Iran and on the Houthis that the life and safety of Yemenis should be put on the priority list for all of us. And uh, we cannot continue to feed Yemenis uh, in, in the context of, of, of uh, uh, worms and killing and fighting. People actually are, are fed up with the fighting. People are now want to live their own life. They want to educate their children. They want to uh, rebuild their houses. And I feel sorry for their Yemenis, whether they live in Sana'a, whether they live in Aden, and whether they live in the north or in the south, all of them, they want to see peace. It's a mandate on us to support the Saudi initiative to call for peace, stop the fighting, and sit on, on the dialogue table and see uh, uh, a, a government that will please all parties and also abide with the uh, UN resolutions and also uh, the Yemen National Dialogue Resolutions and the GCC initiative. And I can assure you that Saudi Arabia will be one of the front and top countries that will help Yemen, not only for the uh, food security, but also Saudi Arabia already has established uh, an important center for the rebuilding of Yemen. And I'm sure friendly countries like the US and the EU will join that effort once we see peace and stability. I call upon you and others that we should continue to uh, support the initiative and call for this uh, uh, peace plan to come and become implemented in, in place. And uh, uh, let's put this conflict behind our back, at least in, in, in this year, 2021. Uh, th thank you. Thank you, uh, uh, Dr. Abdullah. I mean, indeed, this is uh, uh, the only co uh, conflict in the world where the uh, one side of the conflict is uh, providing um, humanitarian aid to the all the all area of operations, regardless of friendly or enemy at the same time. It's, uh, it's an unbelievably complex uh, mission, but uh, uh, like you said, we need to do more. Uh, I think uh, final, uh, just a quick follow-up on, uh, and be my last uh, question here, and on, uh, on the um, uh, refugees, because uh, that's also you mentioned uh, Syria. You, uh, it's one of the top four countries that you provide aid, and we know it's uh, you have refugees um, uh, all around Syria, from Lebanon to Turkey to uh, to Jordan. Uh, but people they say, well, there's no refugees uh, in, um, um, in Saudi Arabia, and you know you don't say, you don't have refugees, you have guests. If you just tell us a little snapshot on uh, on how do you support uh, the Syrian refugees through uh, through Saudi Arabia? 
Well, thank you. Uh, we have talked about Yemen, but we are equally working uh, for the Syrians. Uh, uh, we have, as you rightly said, there are uh, Syrian refugees in Jordan and Lebanon uh, and in uh, Saudi Arabia as guests or visitors uh, and in Turkey. And that's why uh, KS Relief has established uh, a branch uh, for, for KS Relief in Lebanon and a branch in Jordan and a branch in Turkey. The aim of those branches is to support the Syrian refugees. For example, if you uh, uh, look at uh, uh, all of those uh, uh, refugees, you'll find uh, our commitment to support them when it comes to food security, when it comes to health. Uh, we have our own clinics, uh, polyclinics, and we have also uh, contracts with private hospitals to, to treat those uh, patients. We have also uh, a community support programs. We have also shelter programs. So our programs for them uh, is huge. Uh, we have invested uh, hundreds of millions of dollars for the uh, Syrian refugees and also the Syrians inside the, uh, Syria. Uh, the same applies for the Syrian refugees in Saudi Arabia, which are 263,000. They get the same benefits as the Yemeni refugees. And we hope, like what you hope, that those refugees will receive the same peace that we are hoping for Yemen. We hope to see uh, a peace in, in, in Syria soon, sooner than later. We hope to see uh, the Syrian refugees will no longer be uh, in, in, in a shelter in Jordan or in Lebanon or in Turkey, and they will go back to their homeland. And Saudi Arabia will continue to support them and support Syria when stability comes back in terms of development. Thank you. Uh, fantastic, uh, thank you. Um, just uh, final, any final thoughts, Dr. Abdullah, anything we did not mention would, you would like to add before we pass it uh, to Dr. Anthony for, his, uh, for our final uh, comments? Well, I want to first of all to uh, thank uh, Dr. Anthony and thank you, uh, Colonel Dahouk, and, and thank all of those who are watching us uh, uh, today. I appreciate this invitation. I'm really happy to, to be with you for the third time and will be always happy to be with you to address anything related to lifting the suffering of mankind. I just want to close by saying uh, Saudi Arabia, neither in Yemen nor in Syria nor any, any part of the world wants to see conflict. Saudi Arabia is a country that is always calls for peace and stability and it has been advocate for the stability in the region and other regions in the world, and will continue to be one of the top donors when it comes to aid globally. And uh, our message uh, is humanity without borders. Well, well, thank you, Dr. Abdullah, for all you do for children, women, and, uh, and the people everywhere. And uh, it's been a pleasure. Dr. Anthony? Yes, uh, thank you, Dr. Uh, Colonel Dahouk and uh, Dr. El Rabia. You, you get better and better each time uh, we've been together in terms of the clarity and effectiveness of uh, your, your message and presentation. Uh, the overwhelming vast majority of what you have shared with the viewers and listeners uh, today is, is unknown uh, by the viewers and the listeners. This is unfortunate. And it's not uh, necessarily to cast 
fault or blame on who is responsible for this, uh, but to uh, be positive, optimistic, and participatory that we can do something about this uh, by sharing information, by sharing insight, by increasing knowledge, by improving uh, understanding, uh, by enhancing people's uh, education, their empathy, their experience, and their ability to analyze critically and clearly and, and effectively. Uh, without your kinds of presentations, we would be at a loss uh, to understand what is occurring. And in the uh, absence of understanding, we have misunderstanding. And part of the misunderstanding is to paint a picture of Saudi Arabia as, as the villain. Uh, just look at many of the congressional testimonies and debates and hearings and statements uh, by politicians left and right and in the center and in the media and editorial opinion commentaries and writers. Saudi Arabia would appear not to have a friend uh, uh, in the world and least of all in the United States. So your challenge is awesome, sir. No one can underestimate uh, or be unaware or unappreciative of what it is that you face. And in the case of Yemen, we have a very unique situation. You pointed out that Yemen has more than 300 NGOs. Very few countries in the so-called emerging or developing world, and yet we're all emerging, we're all developing, uh, can claim to have as many as 300 non-governmental organizations. And this is not a manufactured figure. Um, uh, I speak from personal experience. It's been my pleasure, privilege, and honor to be, to have been the only American uh, an observer, an official observer of all of Yemen's presidential and parliamentary elections from 1993 until the present. And during those elections, the campaigns were enhanced enormously by tens of thousands of volunteers, of poll watchers, of individuals who worked to ensure that the elections were open and free and fair and transparent. Uh, as one of the observers, uh, participated in the commissions that came up with these evaluations. I would be hard pressed, others would be hard pressed to name any other Arab country <clears throat> that has had as many vibrant elections, open, free, transparent elections as Yemen. And if people think, well, he's making that up. No, all one has to do is research the evidence and the facts. In addition to realize that most of the viewers enlisters today and were born and spent at least their early childhood or life uh, when Yemen was as strife-torn as it is now. For example, uh, late 40s, uh, it had a civil war. 1955-56, it was torn by strife with um, pan-Arab socialist uh, movements. 1962, the latter succeeded in toppling the monarchy in Yemen, uh, which has not been restored. And in that uh, particular case, you had outside intervention, not by Saudi Arabia so much, although Saudi Arabia helped then those who were in exile and had become uh, internally, domestically displaced. But it was primarily Egypt and the Soviet Union. Egypt had some 70,000 uh, armed forces in Yemen trying to bend the government and its people 
uh, to Cairo's will. Uh, this is in the rearview mirror. Uh, Yemen became, as Nasser said, my own Vietnam there, and uh, Egypt withdrew. The Soviet Union collapsed, uh, lived in uh, Yemen when it was two Yemens, and the South Yemen was the People's Democratic Republic of Yemen. Its government, if one can believe it, was Marxist-Leninist, the only uh, Marxist-Leninist government in Arab and Islamic history, uh, which existed from the late 1960s to 1970. Uh, when, uh, rather 1990, uh, when the two halves of Yemen were united. Most of the Yemeni population over the age of 50 can remember when there wasn't a united Yemen, uh, when there were 17 different governments uh, in what now comprise Yemen. This is hard to imagine. Only if one goes back to the early days of the fledgling Republic of the United States, when there were 13 colonies that became 13 states, can one begin to imagine the uh, turmoil that Yemen has had to endure in order to become a unified state and society. So it has endured these civil conflicts. When I first went to Yemen in the late 1960s, in Salon, the capital of Yemen, now governed by the Houthis, had the largest artificial limbs factory in the world because of the landmines that had been left behind uh, by the Soviet forces and the Egyptians uh, that aided uh, the Republican uh, government of Yemen. So you've gone from that to uh, the collapse of the Soviet Union, the collapse of the Marxist-Leninist government in Aden, the displacement of the monarchy in northern Yemen. And you now have the intrusion, as you've alluded to, of Iran. And uh, people make little of uh, Iran's activism and presence and dynamism. But if you look at it empathetically, as you look at Yemen and the refugee and humanitarian needs of the peoples of the world empathetically, from an Iranian point of view, they're not going to give up. They're not going to give in, certainly not easily. They won't quit. They won't surrender. For the first time in thousands of years, you have the recreation of aspects of a Persian empire. Yemen is part of it. Syria is part of it. Uh, Lebanon is part of it. Iraq is part of it. These are realities, and realities are stubborn things. They influence policies. They have an effect on positions. They have a bearing on actions. They can determine attitudes. So we're here for a rough road ahead, uh, but the journey of a thousand miles begins only with the first or the single step. And Saudi Arabia is not new to this. Uh, before even the unification of Yemen in 1990, think of this, of all the countries in the world that were helping Yemen, uh, Kuwait, the United Nations, Great Britain, the Netherlands, uh, Ireland, and additional countries, Saudi Arabia's aid was greater than all of the combined rest of the world with regard to roads, hospitals, schools, and uh, mosques, centers of religious learning and secular training. Without regard to 
religious composition of the government. Uh, people have the image that Saudi Arabia is implicably opposed uh, to uh, minority Muslims uh, who are not part of the Sunni Orthodox, 88 to 90% of all Muslims worldwide. Nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, Saudi Arabia's aid to Yemen has been without regard uh, to gender, without regard to religion, without regard to political factor or faction. It's been the same with regard to Lebanon. Saudi Arabia worked harder in Taif in 1988 and 1989 to restructure the constitutional arrangement of Lebanon, which actually increased the influence and authority of the Shia element of Lebanon. So it's not true. And the same thing with Saudi Arabia's relationship with the government of Iraq, which has also, since like 2003, been led by Shia elites. So this needs to be put to rest, this kind of misinformation, this kind of false stereotype, this kind of unfair treatment of a friend uh, that is on the front lines of working to alleviate uh, the horror, the devastation, the poverty, the dismemberment and the shattering of the dreams of millions of Yemenis next door. America has no choice but to help a friend. If it doesn't help a friend, what kind of a friend is America? Uh, can it call itself a friend? Uh, so there's a moral duty, legal, international obligation to help one's friends. Uh, one must not be alone abroad. Being alone abroad is a place one never wants to be. So we're partners with Saudi Arabia and many uh, aspects of trying to make the world a better place in which to live than when we found it, when we were born and raised. And we've had an individual here who has increased uh, information, uh, insight, uh, knowledge, uh, understanding, uh, empathy, uh, education, uh, experience, and uh, analysis. Uh, what more could one ask? for someone who is an educator as well as a world-renowned physician and government official, former minister of health, and now the supervisor general of the King's Alban Humanitarian and Relief Organization. Thank you, Your Excellency. Thank you, Colonel Dahouk, for a, a most educative uh, session. We're all in your debt. Each of us is a beneficiary. Our gratitude to you, sir.